Who are you? What does it mean to be human? What is truth? Is your red the same as my red? Is free will truly free? What is morality? Join us as we explore these ideas and more in The Philosopher's Stone. Do we as conscious, sentient beings truly have free will, or are our actions and decisions merely an effect of some cause? Better yet, do we live in a world where cause and effect and personal responsibility coexist? Hello fellow alchemists and stoners, and welcome to another episode of Philosopher's Stone, where we do a little bit of game chair philosophy. If you're new here, first of all, welcome. And then second of all, you'll find that here on Philosopher's Stone, our purpose is to spark synergistic conversations on a myriad of complex and complicated topics. So Darren, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Just made some coffee, ready for today's episode. How about you? Hell yeah. I'm doing pretty good. I've been sipping my coffee, so I think I'm a little bit ahead of the game here. <laughs> I'm just a little bit wired. <laughs> just a little bit? Yeah, I'm about halfway through. Uh, probably about two-thirds, but yeah. Give me like I, another half hour and I'll be awake. Oh, God. By, by that point, the episode will be over. No. you here with me. You record for an hour. Thank you very much. I'll just be ready for the second half. <laughs> Sounds good. Have you read anything interesting this week other than billboards and code? I mean, I saw a street sign once. What did it say? I don't remember. <laughs> said stop <laughs> it was a sign <laughs> yes i can read <laughs> you know i don't always read but like when i do it's it's the good stuff it's the important stuff yes <laughs> no i have been slacking way too much on my reading hopefully Clearly. next week i will get back on that and- there's no hopefully you will Yes, you are right. I will. That's what I like to hear. But how about you? You reading anything interesting? Yes. I just finished Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. And it's actually, it's a really good book. I, I highly recommend. Tony Robbins has some, some good stuff, some interesting stuff. And yeah, I like his I like his outlook on life. I like his kind of a lot of his philosophies. Don't know if I necessarily agree with everything. But it's more like the stuff I don't really agree with is kind of more minute details, but big picture, like a lot of the, the stuff is, is good stuff, you know, taking charge of your, your destiny and, you know, learning how to anchor yourself in, into more positive states and understanding how your nervous system works and trying to change your environment to, to make the most of, of, you know, life and everything. And so I think he's got a lot of good, a lot of good insight, a lot of good wisdom, a lot of good stuff. And I'm now real quick. The audience wants to know now that you finished that book, do you have unlimited power? If I really want to, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think it's depends on the day, you know, (laughs) depends on the day, depends on your definition. (laughs) But no, it's definitely, definitely good stuff. If you're looking for kind of more self-improvement type books i don't i don't like the term self-help that just to me that's just so like demotivating and demoralizing yeah i need to self no it's self-improvement we're always trying to improve ourselves i I feel like that's a better better terminology by improving yourself aren't you also helping yourself yeah but i feel like self-help is like yeah nobody cares enough to help you like you need help but the only person that that'll help you is yourself like which Mm -hmm. You know, to some extent, yeah, it's a, I would say it's a good fundamental philosophy, but it just, to me, it just sounds so depressing. Me like, yeah, I oh, was I'm over here it, in the. I was just going to take it as like some problems other people can't solve for you. I mean, I agree. I, I just think like the, the personally and my subjective perspective of the objective reality, assumed objective reality. I think, like, you know, if I'm going to, like, a Barnes & Noble and I'm looking for a self-improvement book, I think I'd feel awkward in the self-help section. You know what I'm saying? It's just, like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I like the idea of self-improvement because it's like a journey, right? You're you're making strides to, to you know, it's a never-ending process. You just, you're just it's, not, it's not, huh? Continually getting better. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So as far as the podcast and kind of what we're doing with the server and everything, we do have a couple of people on our leaderboards as far as pointless points go. So thank you very much for for submitting your alchemy tests. I was very I actually learned a lot from 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 reading them. And yeah, it's very much appreciated. Appreciate the the responses. <laughs> but yeah. And we do again, as always we do, not as always, but kind of recently we do have our debates channel. So for those listening to the recordings, if there are, you know, you're listening to the recording, you're like, man, I really have some thoughts I'd like to add to that discussion. Feel free to swing by the Discord and drop in your thoughts and everything. It's not too late, you know. You can add in your comments, your questions, concerns, and really add value to the discussions. And that's what we're really looking for here on Philosopher's Stone. Just a group discussion, a group journey, honestly, through the through the realm of philosophy, through the realm of life. Yeah. And trying to understand, you know, the way the world works and all that other kind of good stuff. And we think that, that definitely your input is invaluable. It's it's priceless, as some people would, would say. And so, yeah, so there's that. And I think that's, that's about it as far as updates go. Am I missing anything? No, I think that's about it. Awesome. And we will pop it, be popping into Vox Populi after this episode so feel free to swing in there and if you don't want to like type in all your stuff you know you just want to have a casual discussion we'll probably be gaming a little bit you know just chill have some fun all that kind of good stuff and so i think with all of that out of the way let's go ahead and dive into our discussion for today which is libertarian free will versus determinism versus compatibilism and before we dive in as always our full disclosure to us information is information and neither true nor false right nor wrong good nor bad and our responses to these topics are merely our subjective perspectives of the assumed objective reality we're not subject matter experts and as such we would like to invite all of you to join the discussion through the public discourse channel by adding any questions comments perspectives and or experiences you might have in relation to the topic at hand now, without further ado, let us dive into libertarian free will versus determinism versus compatibilism. That is quite the mouthful. And before we do, not before, but kind of towards the goal of discussing these these ideas, I think uh, let's kind of go over some of the definitions that, that we have, kind of the, the working definitions. And the way we kind of define these a little bit is... Libertarian free will is the idea that the choices we make as human beings are of our own volition and not based on previous events. Determinism is the idea that the choices we make as human beings are solely based on measurable cause and effects, such as previous events, chemical processes in the brain, neurology, etc. And compatibilism is the idea that somehow both of the two philosophies above are both true in part or in whole. And so... I'd like to, Darren, I'd like to ask you the first question. What is your kind of knee-jerk reaction to these these topics? How would you grapple with these topics? What's your outlook? Sorry, I was taking a sip of coffee. Knee-jerk reaction, yeah, I would probably say that I lean more towards the compatibilism side of things because, like, I understand that our environment actually does play into the decisions that we make. A lot of our decisions are based on the information we take in from the world around us. So I do think we have a very strong tie to the world around us. But I do think somewhere deep within us, there is a, you know, we, we are able to decide what type of life we live and, you know, what information we filter through and how we filter through all of that and what we do with that. Yeah, so that's my knee-jerk reaction. How about you? I think that is a very... Very good knee-jerk reaction, and I think that question is probably one of the top 10 questions scientists cannot answer to this day as far as what my knee-jerk reaction to these topics are. <laughs> but they're about to be able to, because you're going to tell us, right? Uh, see, that's debatable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, as, a, as an American, as someone whose heart bleeds red, white, and blue, and, you know, someone who is all in favor of you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, someone who doesn't measure things in the metric unit, but as 
but measures things in dollars per freedom unit. I would instinctually, I think I would lean more towards, I think instinctually, I would say that there is some level of, of free will. I don't know if there's, I don't know if I can necessarily in good conscience say that our entirety of how we make decisions is free will. And so, and I have kind of looked into different arguments for determinism, and I will admit that a lot of the arguments I've come across are very difficult to refute. And so I think also to a certain extent, some of the decisions and some of the actions that we take are deterministic and dependent on, you know, our environment. And, you know, we talk about, you know, if we give analogies, not just, I'm not talking about just you and me, but I think I'm talking about in general, like people give analogies, you always hear like it depends on the situation, right? The environment kind of determines in some sense what our actions are going to be. So I think there is, you know, then neurology, you know, you don't sleep all that well, you know, can depending on, or as opposed to sleeping very well, you know, it kind of has an effect on you. So there's, there's definitely seems to be a little bit more of a cause and effect, a, a deterministic aspect to it. And so I think I, I would fundamentally at least where I'm at right now, I think I would kind of agree with you on the the compatibilism side and that there does seem to be some some level of combination of the two, free will and determinism. But I think even then, like maybe a good discussion would be to try to understand and try to figure out kind of what those those differences are and what where where does free will end and determinism begin? Or is what's the kind of ratio there? Is are all of our decisions or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And like I how think, do sorry, I go think, ahead. I think that leads into kind of the first big question I have, which we've talked about a little bit before. I don't know that we've come to a conclusion on it, but it's what do we mean by free? Because freedom can mean many, many different things. <laughs> And so if we're going to claim that our will is free, I think we need to look at what that means, as opposed to everything being bound by cause and effect, as opposed to everything, you know, coming out of the basic, as opposed to everything being deterministic. I promise I can use words today. Give me another 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Better chug that coffee. (laughs) Yes, sir. But yeah, so... Uh, I guess I'll throw the question on to you. What do you think, like if you're going to make the claim we have free will, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to be free? And I think, yeah, I think that's a very good question, a very important question, because I think this entire discussion, from my understanding, does, is foundationally built upon the idea of free will. And I think the, the, ideas of determinism and compatibilism is really just trying to i don't want to say combat but like really try to come up against that definition what is what is what does free will mean and so i think traditionally i think it's it's taken to to mean kind of more of a kind of a hedonistic sense and like free will means i can do whatever i want when i want to how i want to right mm-hmm. but obviously we can make arguments to say, well, that's not entirely the case, right? I think in some of our discussions, you said like, well, I can't will myself to be on the moon right now. Like I can't say, oh, I want to be on the moon right now, right? And then all of a sudden you just pop up on the moon. Like <laughs> there, there is some, some limitations there. And so as far as my interpretation of free will is I think... I mean, it's a tough question. I would say free will is is that like I don't know if I can give like a very specific definition being like, okay, this is where free will is. But I think anything that you can consider that does not lie or any any the the part any part of of human beings that I guess assists in like decision making and I guess assist in in the direction of where people go i would that that is not bound by cause and effect it would be essent- the the essence of free will if that makes sense yeah but i don't i don't know if i have anything more specific than that <laughs> yeah 
So we know our environment does play into our decisions. And so, well, maybe we should take a step back from that. We will come back to what free means, but what is will? Who is will? Yes, and... When is will? Why is will free? Why is will assumed to be free? Well, no, no, no. We're not, we're not getting to free yet. We're just, okay. just will. What is the essence of will? If I were to take just a little bit of will, and I were to put him in a diff- put that little bit of will into a different spot, and I were to continue doing that, at what point does will cease to be will in the original spot? And then at what point does will continue to become will in the new spot? Therein know. lies the question. Yeah. Deep. Back on topic. <laughs> <laughs> Minor um, digression. So, let's say will is the capacity to make choices, right? Is will that a fair definition? Will is the capacity to make choices. Do you mean make decisions? Given choices? Yeah, make decisions. Actually, I, I would say both, honestly. Yes. Yes, I, was, I agree. But yeah, so the, the ability, the capacity to make choices and make decisions. Yeah. So it's our capacity to choose, let's say. Okay. Because I would say even making choice, making a choice is a superposition of value on the perceived world. And so even the capacity to make choices, you are still, what, what did I say, Will, is the capacity to choose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you are still, like, you have to make choices in that. You have to determine how to interpret your environment essentially. So let's say will is your capacity to make choices. Now, from a determinism standpoint, this will is entirely deterministic. It's simply almost like an equation, input-output, right? So Mm -hmm. you have a bunch of different variables that determine what your will is. And in that sense, your will is not free, right? Yep. And so that's kind of the deterministic viewpoint, which I think there's a lot of good reasons behind that but i think that there is still a sense of free will and so let's say yeah so let's say let's take your example from earlier in which you said that you know based on the neurotransmitters in your brain you may not be able to sleep right Mm -hmm. well i've watched a video of how to force yourself to fall asleep in 15 minutes so i know more basically force my body to into a relaxed state and cause the systems in my brain to begin to shut off and go to sleep. Hmm. Now, whenever I'm laying there, right, I would say that prior to that information, we can say, you know, things were deterministic, right? Mm -hmm. And your will is not free because, you know, let's say you have adrenaline spiked up in your head and because of that you're just wide awake so yeah from a deterministic standpoint you're going to stay awake now now that you have that information laying there adrenaline spiked you're wide awake you have you now have the framework and the understanding to instead force your body to begin to shut down And so now you have options. And like we said before, will is the capacity to make choice. And you can choose. And we'll say it takes some discipline, right? So the way in which I do it is basically laying perfectly still, not tossing and turning. That's one of the things, right? So even though you might feel that you have to toss and turn or like you have to get an itch or something like that, you just have to lay perfectly still. So it takes some discipline to force yourself to go to sleep. But you can do it. You've done it before. Laying there, tossing and turning, not able to fall asleep, you have a choice. And I would say that in that, I don't think that's determined what you're going to do. Yeah. Because you have that opportunity of these two different things. Let's say one is doing what's easy the other one is doing what is going to give you good rest yeah and i would even i would even say that 
I think a lot of the argument, well, not a lot of the arguments, but there is an argument, not an argument. Yeah, a lot of the arguments, <laughs> a lot of arguments for determinism, they they put you in, in an analogy being like, okay, you have option A or you have option B, right? And then it doesn't matter what you pick, it's to the deterministic argument, that choice was determined. But I think the the entire analogy is structured around determinism. Like you're kind of in an analogous deterministic box, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where you only have option A and option B. But I think where that argument kind of fails is we also have the capacity, and I think this goes with our definition of will and why I said I, I think it's very I think will is also the capacity to make choice is because we can create new options. We don't just have to be stuck with option A or option B. We can also create an option C, which can be entirely unrelated to option A or option B. And we can create option D as well, right? And so, and then from there, that expands the what options that we have and we can make a different choice from in that regard and so we have the capacity to expand outside of the deterministic kind of sense i mean if everything was determined right if all of our choices were determined if all of our decisions are determined if all the way we look at the world is determined how how are we able to advance as a species like how are we able to fly how are we able to send people into outer space into the depths of the ocean like in some of the most hostile environments that exist, like unless we were wired to innovate, in which case we would be determined to innovate. Sure, but what is how does determine work determinism work in an innovation in an innovative sense, unless you have some ability to extrapolate and be able to create new options? Does that make sense? It does, but. On the other hand, like, we've seen AI do the same thing. We've seen AI completely break simulations in video games in which, you know, you essentially have two different AI, let's say. You have one AI that is responsible for doing one thing, and then you have an adversarial network. And so that's an AI that is responsible for keeping that first AI from doing its job, essentially. And so you have these two AI that are consistently getting better and better and better. And eventually one of the AI will find like will find something new within the system, right? And so then that AI is going to dominate for several, several cycles, and then eventually the other AI will find something completely new in the system and figure out how to stop it. And so you have this constantly going back and forth. And with that, what we've seen is that these AI are capable of coming up with solutions that we can't even come up with. They're more innovative than we are. Okay, well, that just throws my whole thing out the window. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, that's like a very, very difficult part of this is because, you know, I I think maybe 100 years ago, we didn't have something like that that we can immediately point to and be like, well, that thing's entirely deterministic and it's able to do this far better than we can, so that doesn't work. And so that makes this conversation very, very difficult is because we're at a point where a lot of the things that we do, we do have software that can do it better. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay, I have, I have a couple of other points. Not, I don't want to say points, but like, I'll go with points, but not as like a like solid points. Points that like I'd like to hear some feedback on. Okay. And one of them is, what about the concept of, what was the term? Neuroplasticity? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, that, but leap of faith. There it is. My God. <laughs> Being able to believe in something for which you don't necessarily have any reason to believe it. What about that concept? Because if, if all of your decisions are based on your environment, based on, you know, your past, based on, like, your nervous system or whatever. I think there does... We do seem to have the capacity to be able to 
believe something like if i if i were to present to you with some like just brand new information you 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 seem to have the capacity to be, to choose to believe it right without Can you, like bring up a random ai example that you've never heard about before <laughs> sure <laughs> which i guess to some extent it does kind of technically filter through your value system and like the way you view the world but is it all, isn't it also possible to believe in something that seems so contradictory to what you know about the world? Yeah, and I is think that, that's what you're touching on is probably the best argument for free will that we have. It's like, what about these people that, you know, they're going one way in their life and then they turned everything around? They rewired everything in their system. Or what about people that, you know, are in medical conditions that, you know, the doctor comes in and says, hey, you're not going to be doing this again, but they sit through hours and hours and hours of rehab to the point where they're able to do this profession again, even though our best science said it wasn't possible. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think what you're touching on is, yeah, like I said, probably our best argument that we have for free will of... Even things that we think are determined, there seems to be some capacity within humanity to overcome that, which is very, very interesting. And I think that part of that is, I think that we kind of assume that free will is like a switch. Like it can either be on or it can be off. Either we have libertarian free will or everything is deterministic. Mm-hmm. But I think that we're far more complex than that. I don't think that it's that simple of saying we either have free will or we don't. I think it's that free will is like a gradient. <laughs> yeah, and I think I would agree with that. And I think that's probably fundamentally a problem that I have with a lot of the deter more deterministic arguments is they do seem the whole foundation of the argument seems to be deterministic from the get-go. And so it doesn't seem like it's kind of it seems to me like it's a self-fulfilled prophecy like oh it's deterministic because i see it as deterministic not like okay what are how could it how could there possibly be free will like how can we rationalize the existence of free will like i mean it seems to be something that's that's natural for us to to view the world we we naturally feel free right but and i don't mean mm -hmm. to say that that the feeling of free will means indicates the existence of free will I don't think that's a strong argument, but I do think that it is something to to note that's like this does seem to be very a very intimate part of us. Yeah. And so I think it'd be very foolish to just entirely disregard it. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. You know, we thought the appendix was completely useless and turns out like, you know, there is some use to it. Like <laughs> and so well, like yeah, I think that that's a, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, that I, I do think it's a very complex relationship. I do think there's a lot of us that's automated, and if something is automated, it appears deterministic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, part, part of the job of our perception, part of the role of the way in which we view the world, of our subjectivism, is that it assumes consistency within the world around us. Like, we, we organize the way in which we perceive the world in such a way for us to actually be able to perceive it in a consistent and a deterministic way. But maybe a better way of looking at it is, like, have you ever seen Howl's Moving Castle? What? <laughs> it, it's a Studio Ghibli movie. Don't, don't worry about it. But in, in this movie, there's this massive moving castle right mm. that has like chimneys blowing smoke all over the place has like legs walking and everything it's this very very complex machine right mm -hmm. i'm saying it has nothing to do with the story of how it's moving castle but that just kind of popped in my head of like imagine that's us so one dude that like changes all the gears and basically runs maintenance on the machine and changes things whenever, you know, say he wants the thing to have five legs instead of four, or he wants the thing to be more easily navigated, so on and so forth. Basically, that's like our freedom within us. <laughs> of that like, like a nightmare. Yeah. 
fuck that. <laughs> but like we kind of automate things through habits, through the way in which we interact with our world. And so we build these machines within our head of the way in which we act, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like changing you, you're a very complex thing. And so to consciously freely change yourself takes a lot of time and energy before you're actually going to begin seeing changes within yourself. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that free will doesn't exist. It just means it's kind of hidden behind everything else that's been built up till now. Yeah. But I think that might be a better way of potentially understanding this relationship of like the things that you consciously choose, the things that you say, hold up, wait a minute, let me actually think this through. And you actually work through and you actually change. The collection of those things over time is going to move you in a direction, move you into, let's say, where you want to go or the kind of person that you want to be. But that doesn't mean that you don't have free will. That just means there's a lot of automated or deterministic stuff as well. Yeah. So my second kind of point, this I hope it works out, is I'd like to run a little bit of an experiment. I have not signed any form. You're going to have to find another candidate. <laughs> so, by the way, for those listening to the recording, this isn't at all pre-planned. I, I did tell Darren before the episode that I did plan on doing this, but I did not tell him the specifics of how this is going to go down, which is what we get to right now. All right? No, it's, it's a very simple test, right? Okay. Not test, but experiment. Okay. So I'm going to give you, relatively quickly, I'll try to enunciate as best I can, relatively quick, quickly, I'm going to assign a task, and I want you to respond to the task as, well... With the utmost speed. <laughs> yes. All right. You ready? Yes. All right. Pick a number between one and a million. Go. Okay, got it. Well, tell me. 502,806. Okay, well, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll wait for you to tell me. <laughs> wait. <laughs> what was the experiment supposed to do? <laughs> so there there was a a Psych, I don't know if it's a psych, neuropsychology, psych, psychological, scientific study that was done that I think we've kind of talked about it before a little bit in where the subjects, you know, they were hooked up to an EEG or whatever, and they were given options, you know, option A, option B. And these scientists have been able to determine up to, I think, something about like eight seconds before these people were supposed to consciously make the decisions, right? Okay. And so, I asked you very quickly to pick a number between one and a million, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, granted, you didn't rattle it off. You're like, okay, got it. Like, <laughs> and I want to say, I probably have to go back and look at it. I want to say it was probably about four seconds, right? Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you picked six digits. Yes. Right? Yeah. And you picked six independent digits in about four seconds. I mean, by the time it took you to, you know, for me to correct you and you to rattle it off, it was like nine seconds and 46 milliseconds, right? That's the time I got on here. Oh, yes, a stopwatch. Yes. <laughs> Getting all kinds of scientific over here. Well, so, okay. Think about it. You had, I told you to pick a number between one and a million, right? Mm -hmm. So you had literally a million different options, or at least 999,999 options if you don't count the zero <laughs> well if you know that a million, the yeah, million. If you, yeah so a million options right out of that you picked the number that you picked right and so you could say okay he picked one number out of out of a million in less than four seconds or in about four seconds yeah. right but say you didn't like go through sequentially through a million and say i want that one right say you're like okay you went through kind of like a you know like kind of the digit locks right you went through six numbers right and you picked your number for each one that's still you had to make six different decisions 
and each decision had 10 options. And in about four seconds, you decided which number you wanted six different times to get six different numbers. Like, tell me how, and then these are all numbers, so it doesn't have any real impact on you. And I'm sure if I asked you again, you'd come up with an entirely different number, I right? And, and so the real question is, what part of that decision-making process is deterministic? Well, like, it's not, it doesn't seem to be any part of your environment. The fact that you can pick a different number, if I were to ask you again, doesn't seem to indicate that it has any relationship to your past or to your neurology, to your, maybe your neurology, maybe. But being able to do it that quickly and to make such a, I mean, I guess you can ask a computer to do something like that and probably spit out an answer probably faster. But like, I don't know. It's in, huh? It, it can. I don't know. It seems to me just like, well, I think, I think if you were to ask it a certain number of times, I think you would find a pattern, which I guess you can, maybe the whole experiment is a fluke disregard. <laughs> well, so here's kind of the issue with that is. You're right. In under four seconds, I came up with a six-digit number. That number just popped in my head. Where did it come from? Yeah. I, like, I didn't, it wasn't necessarily, like, a conscious, like, hmm, out of all of these choices, I think this one is the absolute best one. Uh, that's not what happened. What happened is you told me to come up with a number, and boom, number popped in my head. And that's what I said. Yeah. And so... And so then you say, hey, do it again, simply because I think very early on we learn, <laughs> like, not to just throw the same answer at a situation. I'm going to come up with a different number. And so what? even if you said, okay, come up with another number between one and a million, in my head it's like, okay, a number other than the one that I just gave. And so, like, I, I don't know if that's an argument for free will, because there was... Like, that's almost more of a byproduct of having a brain rather than me freely choosing something. Mm. Because similarly, we can train a neural network to do a bunch of different things, and then we can ask it a question like that, and it'll spit out a number. But I guess with that, wouldn't you also have to train the, the network to anticipate such a question? Don't we have to be? I mean, sure, but like going into like our quote unquote experiment, right? You didn't know, like I told you it was an experiment, right? You didn't know mm -hmm. the extent of the experiment. You just knew it was an experiment and you knew the requirements was to respond as quickly as possible, right? Yeah. Which I guess technically you did in your own subjective way. <laughs> well, okay, real quick. <laughs> what actually happened... You're like, respond as quickly as possible. Name a number between one, and I thought you were going to say ten. So, like, seven popped into my head. And then you're like, a million. I had to, like, go back to the drawing board. I was like, no, no. <laughs> you could have gone with seven. <laughs> I, I could have. I was like, no. That would have been a valid answer. <laughs> That's lame. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to go higher. <laughs> I got to fill all the number slots. <laughs> I need all the digits, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't you didn't know the context of the our experiment other than it somehow had to relate to the discussion right you didn't know i was going to go mathematical or numer at least numerical with it mm -hmm. right like you didn't know the specificities of of the the experiment until i rattled it out to you in which you then had to respond as quickly as possible and you were able to respond in such a quick manner like I think when I go back and record this, I'm probably going to try to time the time I end the question and the time you said, okay, I got it. You're going to cut out the empty space so it's faster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> but, but like, and so there was a decision to be made. But I think with, with computers and with the neural network, you kind of have to, at least from my limited understanding, I'm not, again, a subject matter expert. I think, Darren, you're kind of more experience in this realm than i am so feel free to correct me but like like it seems to me like you almost have to start with the end in mind when it comes to computers and a neural network you know what i'm saying so you're about to be really pissed off <laughs> you're gonna say no <laughs> what about chat gpt but 
See, I don't know the in it's the... being asked questions that it's never been asked before, and it's able to give a pretty dang good output. And it can even admit whenever it's wrong. Okay, true. But I don't know, man. I'm trying. <laughs> but I, like, 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 I, I think there, there has to be some capacity of being like, like it wasn't like your, your brain was just like rattling through numbers, right? It's just I gave you a thing and bam, it popped into your head. It's like, yeah, like it is. It's built to do that. Like it's built to understand, and once it understands the system it can manipulate the system as it needs to. And so I have an understanding for numbers. And so you say pick a number between one and a million. Like, bro, I learned numbers in kindergarten. Like, (laughs) my brain has been dealing with numbers for so long now that you say pick a number between one and a million. I can pick a million different numbers. I have a million different answers at my disposal. (laughs) And I mean, you could make it even more convoluted. Like you could say, pick Hi. a pick a number between one and a million that's prime and divisible by thirteen. Actually, that's only one number. That is <laughs> that is divisible by thirteen, and the only other factors are prime. How about that? But and because I have an under, I mean, that might take me a little bit to get to. But because I have an understanding of numbers, I'm able to actually do that. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think that that proves or disproves free will. But again, I think it goes back to what you consciously take in is what you're going to change. And so let's say you wanted to understand numbers completely differently, right? And, you know, let's say I spend like five years dealing only in binary. And you ask me that question again, that question, because I've made the choice to spend five years in binary only, that question is going to strike me completely differently. I would love you to answer that in binary. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Can you imagine just like, all right, I got an experiment. Number between one and a million in binary, go. One, one, zero, zero, one, one, zero, one, zero, one, zero, one, zero. Except I want a decimal point to the thousandth place. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that'll work. <laughs> binary. Give me the data type that we're using. I might be able to do it. Hexadecimal. That's not a data type. Okay, I tried. That's just a way of representing bytes with binary or <laughs> binary bytes easily. Okay. Uh, After this experiment flop, we might have to try this again for a third time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, guys. <laughs> like. With the determinism argument is like, okay, it makes sense. Like, like if I drink too much, right? Yeah, I'm going to be like, it's going to be difficult for me to make decisions and I'm going to be slow at making decisions, right? If I take any sort of hard drug, if I don't get enough sleep at night, if I'm drinking coffee, I'm going to be much more lively than if I, you know, only got four hours of sleep, right? Like, it's going to completely change, like, my brain chemistry, right? And so, like, the decisions I make and the choices I make and what I do seems entirely deterministic and that makes sense. So then, like, so the what tough... instead, freedom is a skill. Eh. That as you work it, as you develop it, as you practice it, you get better at it. And how do you do that? I think, because this, this is a, I'm coming in completely from left field here in the last five minutes. So, <laughs> but it's an idea that, like, has very much, it's an idea that I'm still playing around with and I find very interesting because you have like people that are drug addicts or I mean, we don't even have to make it that crazy. We can just do like sugar or caffeine or alcohol, right? Like there's a difference between drinking alcohol and being an alcoholic, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between like having alcohol with friends or something like that and not being able to live without alcohol and addiction i think is a very very important thing to bring in here because addiction seems to let's say free will is a thing addiction seems to undermine free will Hmm. that you cannot freely choose to not do something and so this is a very interesting idea that i've heard about that i'm still kind of 
processing of like having a greater sense of freedom in which you are not actually bound by the things around you as much. No, I can honestly say from like personal experience, like being like coming out of the military, I was a a strong nicotine addict. Like I, you know, vaped all the time and everything. And it you know, I like to make the joke, quitting nicotine is easy. I've done it 3 times already. <laughs> <laughs> but like I realized and when I came out of the navy and I was going back to school, like I realized like I couldn't it was difficult for me to function in school because I I couldn't have nicotine. And so like my my mental it was like a mental fog right mm-hmm. and so like it was very difficult you know with long spans without nicotine like it was it was you know i was i was addicted right yeah and so finally i was like i'm and then i was also working out and i was like it seems completely counterintuitive to be working out and doing you know vaping mm-hmm. and so like I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to give up, you know, nicotine, so that I can actually do do other things, you know, what I'm saying, and have the capacity to do other things, yeah, instead of just being relied like relying on this thing, because and it also gets like messy, like your vapes break and everything, and you get oil all over the place. It's just it's a hassle, and so yeah, so I I literally quit cold turkey. You know, a lot of people like try to like, you know, wean off it. No, I went straight cold turkey and it sucked. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I had like migraines, like I was you know, like and then the first like definitely the first couple of weeks were like the hardest couple of weeks of my life to not go back to to doing that. Yeah. And like but I had to stay strong and thankfully like I would say that's the one thing that definitely helped me was my workout schedule and being like, I'm being committing myself to working out and letting that kind of be a replacement to, to, to vaping and everything. And, you know, since then I've been kind of off and on at the gym and everything, I've been trying to get back into it and I've actually been doing pretty good, but that's beside the point. (laughs) But yeah, like I can't, like you could say my neurology would have dictated that I, go back to to vaping right the the desire for nicotine right was super strong and you know like i could have easily that there's a vape store just right around the corner i literally could have just gone around the corner and gotten another vape or whatever Mm -hmm. right but i think to your point is like there was nothing but will (laughs) willpower yeah (laughs) that got me through the the initial suck of of quitting and it it definitely took like a lot of mental fortitude to to get through that and so i think i would have to you know maybe the experiment wasn't even necessary like maybe i should have just told my whole nicotine story maybe that could have been a good (laughs) now i feel kind of (laughs) dumb but and definitely like it's like definitely quitting nicotine has, has definitely changed my life for the better like it's you know like i feel I don't feel so do I miss it sure but like at the same time it's like I think about you know constantly having to to need to feed that that addiction and it's mm-hmm. just more of a hassle when I think about it that way than like the the pleasure of going going back you know what I'm saying it's like I've already come this far like if I go back I have to reset all over again and it's like okay well then that's just you know so yeah, I think I think in that regard, like there does seem to be some sense of at least willpower. I don't know if you call it free will. <laughs> maybe maybe you will, maybe you can, but yeah, there is yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, I think that that shouldn't be undermined and I don't think that that's yeah, I I I personally find it very difficult to believe that that is you you were just determined to do that like no you were determined <laughs> to do that but that it was a deterministic system that created that i do think that that took will 
my free will my free will determined that i would succeed (laughs) yeah yeah and i i think that that's where this conversation is very important is like not not even just important that's that's the wrong phrase there but i think that that's a side of this conversation that is worth talking about it's just like what yeah of like having the capacity to have a greater sense of free will and i think that can come through you know quitting addictions i think that can come through educating your mind uh, like the more stuff that you know the more that you have to draw from and stuff like that that i do think a, like gives you a greater sense of freedom and it gives you a greater sense of will and of the capacity to make the changes that you want in your life building up discipline is another one so i that for me is kind of a very big testament to free will and why i am more of a compatibilist than a determinist yeah yeah better words have never been spoken at least by me (laughs) (laughs) even then i think you you've said some better things at times Uh, (laughs) debatable (laughs) you're debatable i mean (laughs) you really think so (laughs) all right so i think that is going to be it for this episode thank you all of you for tuning in and listening to this episode whether live or in the recording we appreciate thoroughly appreciate and love each and every single one of you again thank you for for yeah supporting us and you know hope you hope you enjoyed this discussion be sure to tune in next week for those listening to live for those listening to recording be sure to tune in whenever the new episode comes up we will be talking about the importance of danger that should be a very exciting episode and before we close out do we have any thought provokers or any yeah maybe in your life maybe see what you can do to maximize your freedom yeah i like it i love it all right and with that being said always remember think critically and live fully and we will see all of you beautiful alchemists and stoners in our next episode thank you have a good week guys